Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. I'm so glad you guys are here today. Uh, if we haven't met again, my name is Corey. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption, and and uh, and we are uh, in this series called Down to Earth. This is week three of the series, um, and so I'm excited about this. And 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 really, this idea of of down to earth is uh, coined by us. It's it's this idea that um, in heaven, and he came down. Um, it, it, it's it's a truth that for us, I think should bring you peace because uh, we have a God that does not uh, leave us. He didn't, we, we talked about this several weeks ago, this idea of gas station trip Jesus, if you want to go back to those weeks. But like th- th- this idea, a lot of people in our culture, we believe that God, on the conscious, so he left us. He couldn't stay with us. And that's where the term comes from. Last week, we talked about this idea, this question of where are you from? And, and we first looked at where Jesus was from. And Jesus is from this place called Nazareth, uh, a place that Philip and, and Nathaniel, as they talked about it, they said, uh, what good, or Philip said, what good can come from? We said this, and uh, Nathaniel, uh, your impact on humanity, wherever you were born, wherever you come from, wherever you reign from, that doesn't determine how you impact humanity around you. It doesn't determine how you impact Jesus around you. And today, we're going to see is that it's a very comforting thing to find out that the, the God that you serve is a vulnerable God, that there's some vulnerability about him, even in his, in his infiniteness of everything, right? His, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omni-everything, even within that, he chose to be vulnerable. And I think it's a very comforting thing we're going to see. Uh, so we earth would be this, to be practical and unpretentious, relatable without pomp and circumstance. Now, interestingly, a vulnerability or to be vulnerable, Vulnerable is not part of our definition, and uh, that's kind of a disservice. Okay, it would be better if it was a part of our definition, but it's just not. Um, but the reality is that um, so as we as we down to earth, part of that looking at what, what does it mean to be down to earth, and how does vulnerability kind of play into that? I want us to to define what is vulnerable. What does it mean to be vulnerable? If you haven't caught up on this yet, if if, if you've come to redemption more than once, uh, we we like to define words around here because often we're playing with the same vocabulary. I think. It, it's really good for us to kind of look at what is the opposite of vulnerable. Sometimes it's good for us to look at what is the opposite of a word to really understand, define a word. So what is the opposite of vulnerable? Out of invulnerable, right? Look at um, what are some characteristics and some things that are opposite of vulnerable uh, to help us understand what vulnerable is. I think it's good for us to look at characters or even people that kind of exhibit the opposite of vulnerability. And, uh, you know, I was racking my brain this past week, clear. Who could I use for this? Like Thanos, he is the opposite of vulnerable. Uh, everything about him just screams strength. And, uh, you know, he has this like, you know, this evil about him, which by the way, I, I, I you know, Thanos, he's, he's very evil, um, not because he, uh, you know, not because he's like spider or snakes. Um, those are easier. This was in my basement. 
Yeah, this is brutal. This was, uh, this was a bug trap that we let go, you know, too long. I, I have Aptiv. They come out to my house, and every, like, quarter they spray and stuff and put down more bug traps one day, and, and it's kind of tucked back. I do leather work, and I have this, like, crafting area that I, you know, like, you know, do crafts and leather stuff, right? Anyway, so I'm, like, sitting there, and I'm watching some college football, and I look to my left, I look down, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I was like, I think that's a snake. I got up. I walked over. I go, uh, snake. I think it's a rat snake. Anyway, uh, aren't you? You, you know, glad you're at, at church. Welcome to Redemption. Anyway, so um, so he's not evil because of this. Yeah, he's not evil because of, of, of you know, because uh, he's like a spider or a snake. But 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 he's the thing that nightmares are made of. Like, uh, I didn't know much about it when I first, you know, much about him when I knew who he was. Marvel movies. Um, he's this thing that is like this impenetrable force on the outside. He, is, he has this like crazy strength about him. There's no real weaknesses uh, to him. He says this when he first kind of enters in. One of the things he says. He says, I ask you to what end? Dread it, run from it, I destiny arrives all the same. Guy, right? Anyway, um, so he is not vulnerable, okay? Uh, he commands Earth 616, which if you don't know what that is, that's the Earth and this man's reverse, all right, in our solar system. Where are my nerds? But he is like the nerds at, anybody? Had Titan, okay? And uh, it took, this is a spoiler alert, by the way. Um, if you haven't seen these movies, I don't care. They've been out for three years. So you had your chance, all right? But anyway, uh, so it's, it took two movies for Marvel superheroes to kill him. Two movies. And by the way, uh, some of them died in the, in the, in, in the killing of him. And, uh, uh, you know, in the taking care of him. Uh, borrow friends. I don't know. Like, uh, so, um, but he's not, he's not vulnerable. You know, Thanos isn't vulnerable. He's, he's very strong. He's very, uh, again, he has this like hard exterior. He has very little weaknesses. Um, he's, he's, he's the opposite of vulnerable. And I think when we would think about that, this guy's down to earth. No, of course not. There's not one thing about him that would be down to earth, that is trying to relate with you, that is trying to enter into your world without pomp and, and circumstance, without pretense, and right? I mean, no, okay? And so he is the opposite of that, but, but I think a fictional character named Thanos, that often for us to be vulnerable, we are welcoming connection to have connection people and you've seen characters but you know people in real life who have such a hard exterior on them that they don't welcome they don't invite in connection that they're afraid to become vulnerable because at some point in their past they were hurt themselves i don't think it makes them that way. anybody comes out of the womb just something that happened to them that they could no longer enter into a space with vulnerability but we wouldn't say that they're down to earth and if we're going to be down to earth, if we're going to follow a Jesus that this phrase was coined after, and if we're going to be, he did it like our savior. I've been talking about this uh, book each week called Honest Advent, and uh, some of you uh, have bought it, which is great, and uh, are reading it, and I, I gave away a couple copies last week. Um, I encourage you to get it, by the way, Honest Advent by Scott Erickson. And if, if we're going to connect with people, okay, um, we're, we're not going to do so just in our strengths and our successes. Because it's in our strengths and our successes that our connection to one another is actually fairly fragile and brittle and weak. Hearts and the tears that flow from our eyes. In those moments, our connection becomes strong with the person who shares those 
wounds with us and who helps us through those wounds and who, who lives with us through those wounds. Uh, we say this all the time at Redemption, one of our favorite verses here, but Galatians 6.2 says, to bear with another's burdens and in this way you of Christ. And so you're carrying burdens right now and when you're with them in their burdens, your connection is strengthened. Scott Erickson, he goes on to say this, uh, whether in marriage or friendship or even with a stranger, a relationship can progress only so far along the normal platitudes, tales of an accomplishment. Love this. When we let down our guards to speak to the truths about our travels, is that we find where we with a limp connect as humans. So if, if we're going to be down to earth, if we're going to be vulnerable, if, if we're going to be someone who is, is looking like our Lord and Savior Jesus, then we, we have to do it his way. And Jesus, Jesus was a man who was extremely vulnerable. He was a man who was for humanity. He's very unlike. He'd be present with the broken and, and the destitute and the hurting. Uh, the people that, 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 that we would say at redemption, the, the least, the last, the lost, and the leftovers. That's who he came for. And so Jesus is present with these people. He was known as a man of many sorrows. He was known for his sorrows for humanity. That he lived in, in, in a constant grief for a broken world around him. And that's a vulnerable Jesus. And that's the true Jesus. It's a vulnerable God. This is Jesus. Vulnerable, laid bare. So today what I want to do, so I want to take some time, story, look at Jesus in uterus, very much present for in, in many uh, ways. And yet, um, there's not a word that's shared by him uh, you know, in, in his human form as a person. So um, uh, every week we, we start at the same place, which is the table of contents. And so if you have a physical Bible with you or a digital Bible, I invite you to turn to the table of contents, look at the very front to some scripture, uh, which is Matthew. Now, if you remember, if you were here uh, for week one, in week one, we read Matthew chapter one, verses one through 17. And uh, today we're gonna be starting out uh, at the very next verse. We're gonna start in verse 18, okay? So Matthew chapter one, verse 18. And uh, it starts out by saying this, this is was this the Messiah was boasting. Um, because if, if, if you didn't know the story of the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, okay? Like this isn't like, you know, a nobody. It's, it's Jesus, the Messiah, like the King, okay? If you, if you didn't know anything about the story, what would you, or S would be a part of hospitals, you know, like, like we have today, but um, but there, there would be a, you know a, a couple doulas, right, and a bunch of midwives, and like there'd be a you know whole aunt wealthage for Mother Mary. These would be they would come from Egypt, and they'd be you know two thousand thread count or three thousand. I don't even know what a good thread count is. You know, I haven't bought I haven't bought sheets in so long. I have no clue. Uh, I would have to go and do like research to find out what thread count is. But really good thread count, okay, and. Um, and, 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 you know, we would think that there would that'd be drugs involved, okay? Like the good, you know, naturally, and she would go through all this pain and stuff to bring the king. No, 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 like it would be, it would be easier, right? I mean, it's God, right? It'd be easier and, and everything would be good, okay? Maybe it would be done in like, you know, one of those pools or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like the birthing units there like in water, those things. Uh, but, it, but it wouldn't be done in a stable. It wouldn't be done in, uh, history tells us, that it, would, it, would, it, would, it would be done in luxury, but that's impenetrable. That's void of weakness. So let's look at how the king, Jesus, the Messiah, entered the world. It says his mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virtuous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, filled within, son of David, the angel said, Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. And this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There's so much power in that verse. Uh, that's so so amazing, right? Like, um, I, I think some of us, this is just a side trail, but I think some of us, we, we struggle with finding the purpose in our life. Like, we want to feel like we're shot out of a gun and we're ready to go, but half the time we're like, okay, I brushed my teeth, now what? Like, I don't know what the day is supposed to bring. Like, I don't know, like, am I doing this whole thing for nothing? Like, what is going on in my life? But but here, that Jesus, we know that from the time that Jesus, why? For he will save the people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel. Connected from scandal, rather it's the very opposite. They're, they are the talk of the town, okay? Talk of the town. I think that some of us have been the talk of the town before. It doesn't feel great, you know, to be the talk of the town. The interesting thing, though, about Jesus is that he was in a Middle Eastern context. I don't know if, have you guys seen the news lately, like Iran, what's kind of happening over there? It's crazy, right? The death of one girl has sparked so much over there, and hopefully it, hopefully some good comes out of this. But here's, here's what I know. Iran hasn't really changed. The Middle East, you know, much, uh, much or most of the town in Kirkwood or in St. Louis, it doesn't carry many real consequences. But when you're the talk of the town in Nazareth and, and Bethlehem and, 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 and Judea and, and these areas, um, they carry real consequences. And, and Joseph, and that his wife was pregnant or has become pregnant by God. And so Joseph is in a really hard place. And Mary, like, really hard place. Their lives are really on the line. Hey, just uh, let's gather everybody up because we have a little message we got to get across. All right, uh, please don't kill Mary; <laughs> she's pregnant. Yes, uh, but it's it's because of because of God. All right, and uh, let's just make sure everybody knows this um, because uh, we want to make sure that uh, you don't kill God. All right, don't kill Jesus. He's these put a zoom, please. Can we get on fighting for their lives in this? Now, the other thing is uh, they're betrothed. So, so Joseph is betrothed to Mary. And what that means is that they're contractually obligated to be wed, to be married. That there's an actual contraction, uh, or there's an actual, actual a contract, rather. Uh, there's an actual contract, uh, you know, um, between the family. Or a bride price uh, in ancient times and still in the Middle East today, uh, many places. But that would, that would have already been paid, okay? So, um, and so, you know, her family, they received the goats, the pigs, the chickens, the horses, the cows, whatever it is. They received it, all right? And, uh, but there's still not, there's not like, and the only way to, to, so that's why it says that Joseph, he was, he's a righteous man. He's going to put her away quietly. He's going to, uh, to divorce her quietly. He's not going to do it publicly, uh, which is amazing that he's, you know, he, he's not going to shame her or force her in any way. But, uh, you know, we're, we're already at a place where we're betrothed. It's not an engagement. It's different from our culture. And um, and so the interesting thing about this, though, is they weren't married. Why were they not married? Well, in ancient times, what would happen is when somebody is betrothed, the the groom, okay, the man, he is his new bearing his house. He's adding on a children to soon to be. Um, he's getting ready for her, um, and th and then he's he's got to prepare like financially because Joseph needs to be the breadwinner. He needs to be the one who brings home the bacon, uh, not bacon because they're Jewish, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, like they they need to uh, be the one who's bringing home and providing. It means family, and so Joseph for her. 
the house wasn't ready. The, 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 the bank account wasn't ready. Like they weren't ready to be married. But not in God's eyes. It was the perfect timing. It's crazy to us. I think, I think we're seeing like an epidemic of, you know, people waiting until they're, you know, mid-30s and stuff to have, have children and, 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 and all these things. And then it's like, well, wait, you know, I, I don't have that long to have kids and all these things. And we're, we're pushing adolescence and, and, and we're pushing adulthood responsibilities off and all this stuff. And, and the reality is that, no, the house isn't ready. I know you don't have the money. I know that she's young. I know that you're not married yet, but she's going to be pregnant, and you guys are going to do this, and we're behind you. Like, the heavens are behind you. God is behind you. I don't know if I would feel empowered or scared out of my mind, but either way, it's vulnerable. Here's the thing. Even though that we continues immediately, script that's filled with more born, and uh, angels have to come and go, hey, by the way, don't go home the way that you normally would. Don't go back to your home. Why? Well, because uh, we need you to go to Egypt. Why am I going to Egypt? Because uh, there is a tyrannical king who's trying to murder your son. <laughs> so we need you to go back to the to Egypt, which is crazy. Centuries before, God had already taken the Israelites from Babylon, uh, from the Babylonian captivity, or, or sorry, from the, from the Egyptian captivity from Egypt. Egypt. And um, all throughout scripture, and he goes to that place, you know, Satan is tempting him and, and, the, and the crowds are picking up stones to murder him. And, and all these things happen time after time after time. And then he goes to a cross and he's, he's betrayed by his friend and then he's murdered. And then here's the crazy thing is he, 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 he resurrects, right? But he hasn't wanted yet, right? Resurrect meaning he comes out of those because he has holes in his hands and he has holes in his feet. And so this vulnerable Jesus continues to live with vulnerability. Like the wounds are still there. They're still noticeable. They're still, so that's, I'm like worried about that. Cause I'm, I'm always like, man, like when I die and then like, I like go into heaven, like am I still from have like pockmarks from when I was like, you know, and I just don't want those there anymore in, in, in heaven. Right. Anyway, like, are we going to like, like, what does our glorified bodies look like? We don't know. Well, we don't know. Um, but, but, but I know this, that, that Jesus had wounds. He had, he had these scars and Thomas knew about that. Like he's still vulnerable. And, and what's crazy then we see in, in Revelation 5, 6, it says, this is John, he, he sees this, you know, in his, looked as if vision, it says, then I saw watered. I don't know, like, I don't, I, I don't know what uh, that vision really means or what it looks like or whatever, but it just seems like the vulnerability of Jesus didn't end in the stable, but it continued through his life, and he's still vulnerable in many ways today. What is it, pure hope? in absolute power and strength. It's a dichotomy that I think, uh, you know, our brains can't really wrap around. But Jesus is vulnerable. In his down-to-earthness, is, he's vulnerable. Like, am I vulnerable? And when we ask that question, I think the question that we're really getting to is, do you look like Jesus? And how much... Do you look like your savior? Are you becoming vulnerable? Are you becoming more like Jesus? On, on Wednesday, uh, I, was, I was just my friend Craig, and we were at kind of th thoughts around vulnerability and, and whatnot during this season. And Craig said something along the lines of, um, do you think that you can be uh, holiness and not be vulnerable? What a good question. Like, that's a great question to chew on. And I think more, more often, I think we need to ask these questions. God, if, if, I was, if I was to look like you, what would that look like? And this trait that I think is a good trait, like, like do I need that to look like you? And sometimes, um, I think sometimes we, uh, image, 
instead of us conforming to his. And, and so, so, so Jesus, uh, vulnerability, do I need that to look like you? I, I said to Craig, I said, well, this is what I think. Everything that Jesus is, is holy. So if Jesus is, then it is. So everything that Jesus is is the same thing because Jesus is that thing. Whatever, you know, what that opens it up to is that Jesus is jealous. Scripture says that he's a jealous God. And uh, there were moments uh, where his jealousy shines through. And, and so that means that jealousy in the right context is holy. Uh, and so uh, this is why scripture says that, um, you know, hey, do not sin in your anger. Like you're going to be angry. Do not sin in your anger. So like, so jealousy, anger, these things uh, are holy. The reason I think of sex is because I think in our culture today, what we've said is, hey, uh, you can have sex anywhere you want, with anybody you want, with, you know, under any like circumstances, you do you, it's, you know, your truth, live it, right? And whatever feels good, come on, do it, right? But the interesting thing about sex is this, sex is like, um, uh, is like a fireplace. And, and uh, you do it during what? The cold months, right? Um, but what would happen if you made fires in June? or July, or August. Anybody in your house, they would be, they would be heated out, right? Like, they're like, we're not, we're not staying in here, it's hot. Like, what are you doing, it's, it's 100 degrees outside, you got a blazing fire in here. They would, their house would burn to the ground, right? And so sex is like a fire, right? It's okay if it's in the fireplace, and it's okay if it's done during the colder months. There's a place, and there's a time. When we look at jealousy, and anger, and vulnerability, if we're gonna be down to earth, and if, what does that look like in our life? How can we be jealous, how can we be angry, uh, how can we be vulnerable and look like Jesus? How do we discern that place in that time? And, and I, it's definitely not this. Let me say this. Vulnerability is definitely not turning you into a doormat. Been in, it's definitely not turning you into a victimized or you've been trampled on uh, in, in, because you're trying to be vulnerable. That's not loving to you. Uh, and I don't think that God wants that from us to become a doormat or a victim in this. That's not, that's not, that's not his, his desire for this. But the, the, if we've been wounded in life, I don't know if you have those wounds. I do. Um, <laughs> some of them recently. I don't know what your wounds look like, but if you've been wounded deeply, you have an opportunity or an option rather to do one thing. You can continue um, to look like Jesus in the softening of your, your heart. You can wall off everything and like Thanos or, or anybody else, right? Like I, I love, uh, uh, you know, all the, all the like, this is how I don't know are made. I don't know if you've seen, you've seen like me. Uh, what you're, that's how villains are made. Deeply wounded and you've just hardened your heart and walled everything off. That's how villains are made. Like you don't become a more like Jesus in that moment. You become more like Satan. That's who you become more like. And so, uh, and so if we're going to be people who are vulnerable and we're looking have to be Jesus, then that means the opportunity to do otherwise. And here's the thing, that redemption, uh, we want to be a place for the vulnerable. And I think redemption is a place for the vulnerable. I, I think redemption is a place that is ready uh, to meet you where you are and to love you where you are. Vulnerable. So I, I also know this, I know because you've been hurt. I understand that. I get it. Um, because when we're vulnerable, the only thing that is going to make us look like Jesus is if we're met with love and care and compassion, but sometimes that's not what happens. Uh, many of you have heard this phrase, and I'm gonna, uh, it's of ripping nature, but it's solid. 
animals, when, when they are vulnerable, when they're submitting, when, they're, um, when, when, when they've been KO'd, right? They're on their back uh, and they're in this place. What happens and uh, they're exposed, others are soft white underbelly. When we're vulnerable, uh, we're hoping that we're met with love, care, and compassion, but sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes the world tears us apart. Can I just invite you into a safe place of vulnerability? Can I bring you on to a moment who are, who are ready uh, for, for you to do great things in your life? And um, I think this, when the, when the world doesn't provide a place for you to be vulnerable, redemption will. When, when the world, when, when uh, working hard uh, and conversation and, and um, you know, uh, just, just anything around you, your, 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 your work and your career, parenting, when, when all these things, they, they feel like it's a dog eat dog. There's no safe place for the vulnerable. We want to be a place that receives you with love, care, and compassion. And my question is this, as we wrap up, what will Jesus do with a church full of vulnerable people? What will Jesus do with a church full of vulnerable people? A church that, that right, like, uh, I have a predetermined setting on my, on my air fryer. It's 415 minutes. It's what it starts out as. And I'm like, ah, we'll just see where it goes, right? Uh, half the time I burn things, okay? But like, um, like what as Christians, if, if, we, if we were on a predetermined setting and that predetermined collective is we're going to be, I think the cool thing is we're going to get to see that over the next two years and five years and 10 years. And I don't know what God's going to do in redemption. I don't know what he's going to do through our vulnerability. I don't know how we're going to look in the next 10 years, but, but I'm so amazed or, or just, just intrigued at the thought of God, what are you going to do over the course of 10? When I think of vulnerable church, Jesus in us, I think of a king in a king, owning a kingdom, controlling a king, nothing to wanders into the kingdom, goes into the castle, kneels before the king and says, will you give me the kingdom? Will you give me everything you own? It's a crazy thing to think about because this in effect is what we do as Christians. You're poor and broken and destitute, but you have nothing of real value to offer this king. And, and we go into the kingdom and we ask the king who runs the entire kingdom, will you give me your kingdom? Will you give me everything? And that's vulnerable. Like vulnerability cannot happen without a power dynamic. Vulnerability doesn't really happen without vulnerability. Like someone who's, who's Thanos, he doesn't care about, you know, this little guy. Uh, there's this like famous um, kind of um, parable type of thing or whatever, just adage. It's, you know, that the, the lions don't worry themselves with the opinion of sheep. Why? Because there's no vulnerability there. Uh, we say, can we have for the lion? It's all for the sheep. Vulnerable. And, and the reality is for Christians, we have to be vulnerable. There's no other option that you have. If you want to look like Jesus, but in fact, before that, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to do it through vulnerability by getting on your knees in front of the king and saying, I have nothing to give you, but will you case your kingdom? Setting is to be vulnerable. And then... It's to meet others' vulnerability with grace, with love, care, kindness, and compassion. I'm going to finish by reading this. This is, um, this is the end of, of Scott Eric. He says this chapter on vulnerability. Connect with God without being vulnerable. It's a great question. 
I think you should ask yourself that and think about it this week. Can, can you fully connect with God without being vulnerable? And if not, what is stopping our vulnerability with God? What does it say about a mystical willing to be vulnerable with Barry? Who's willing to be attached by a placenta for nourishment and life to his own creation? Who's to wait and grow just like we are? That's crazy to think about. He says any real connection involves vulnerability because it takes the act of making oneself open to truly be known. I love it. God came to us floating in embryo of a Middle Eastern teenage woman. He trusted to care for his own fragile knitting process. What it says about a God who's willing to be vulnerable is that God is willing to open himself up to deeply connect with us. The real question is, are we the same? In this Advent season, we, we, ask that, we ask that you would connect with us. God, there's nothing that we have to offer you outside of our praises. God, it's vulnerable for us to come to you and open ourselves up to expose our soft white underbelly with you. We want to connect with you. And, and God, you promise in scripture that that if we pray to you, if we sheep your name, that you will answer, you will respond. That if we are in the vine as a branch, God, you will nourish us. And so Father, we thank you for your connection with us. We thank you for connecting to us. We thank you, um, we thank you that you modeled vulnerability. Anything that you model, Lord, we want to mend. Being down to earth and loving the people around us. God, I pray that you would expose the areas of our hearts that are hardened. And God, I pray that you would teach us how to soften those and to become vulnerable so that we could be connected to a world around us. God, I pray that you would, you would help us in our vulnerability to meet other people in their vulnerability, uh, to go past the tales of trophy winning and, and successes and into the only one who can heal their broken heart, the only one that can heal their, their wounds. God, I pray that you would, you would ordain those moments in our lives this season, over the next couple weeks. God, I pray you give us an opportunity to invite leftovers, and the sick and the, the put those people in our past that we, we can love them toward you. Lord, you say that the harvest is white, it's ripe, it's ready, so God, I pray, uh, I pray that that would happen in our life, that we would be able to see the harvest. Uh, even thank you that you this Advent season be vulnerable. That's all the things we ask in the name of your Son Jesus. Amen. All right, um, every week we get to take communion together, and so Chris has some communion kits. Go ahead and raise your hand if you didn't get one, and Chris will. When I think of when I think of communion and vulnerability, I think of uh, just a table that we don't deserve to be at. Have you, uh, you ever been? One time I went to a dinner in Napa and uh, I sat down and, and uh, they had to pull out the defibrillators to restart my heart because I had a heart attack looking at the menu. And I was like, there is no way. <laughs> I said, man. Oh, geez, this is like two people. 
uh, the cost would have come out to almost $400. Uh, I did not choose this restaurant. <laughs> um, and so we get to the end, and we, we did this thing that rich people do. It's awesome. It's called car. Uh, but they pulled out. This one's not going to be on you tonight. We don't know who it's going to be on, but it's not you. And they gave me my card back, and I put it in my wallet. And I've never felt more relief in my life. And um, this guy, uh, he, he got it. He laughed about it. And he was like, communion, I think, no big deal. And it was no big deal. At a dinner, we're at the table that we have no business being at. Uh, we don't have the wealth to cover this. We have nothing to cover that dinner. And we're sitting there at the tea and blood. And everything, it's a free gift. At Redemption, we say this. The salvation isn't a game that some people win or some people lose, but it's a gift that some people receive and some people refuse. So with that in mind, um, I just want to go to the table, the table that we have no business being at. Trade, don't deserve to even approach it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take this, for this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may take the bread. Likewise, on the same night, he poured out the wine to his disciples and said, this is my body, or this is my blood. Bread shed for the forgiveness of sin, remembrance of me. You may take the wine. And Paul says, as often as you eat the bread and you drink the wine, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns.